And just like that, we're back with another episode, another good episode, one I've been looking forward to. Y'all heard that I was on the UFC Unleashed podcast not too long ago, and I had a blast. I wish I'd have got more time on there because I really feel like I didn't get to share my fight knowledge. You know, I'm not a fighter, but I have some fight knowledge. I love the fight game. And Matt Sarah, who's on our show today, he took me down the road of lions eating each other on the plains of Africa. And his partner, Jim Norton, was they wanted to talk about living off the land. And I loved it. So today I get to throw about throw down with a UFC Hall of Famer, a former champion in the UFC. Um, I don't know where to start with him. I will say that today's episode, again, obviously is brought to you by Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I've watched so many of this man's fights in the past 15 years, enjoying a Jack Daniels responsibly. And I don't know if Matt Sarah drinks whiskey. Do you, Matt Sarah? You know what? I'm more of a um, of a of a reefer man. I I don't do drugs. I don't drink too much. I drink my, I drink my father-in-law's grappa. He makes the homemade grappa. You know, that way, you know, preservatives. He makes it right there in the garage. And he, I also drink the homemade wine from my father-in-law, Ciro. Besides that, you know, I have some arthritis. I, I, I do like the, um, the marijuana. But I'm not big on the whiskey. I got a sensitive belly. <laughs> <laughs> so... You married an Italian woman too, obviously. I mean, if they're making uh, grappa, yes. grappa, that is some old that is some old school Italiano stuff. There, digestive. It's a digestive. And yes. you, Chad, you were unleashed on UFC Unfiltered. Just so we know, it's that people filtering. are gonna go. People are gonna listen to this and they're gonna go, "Yo, that Matt guy, I kind of like him. Let me go look for him on Unleashed." And they're gonna <laughs> just they're gonna, they're gonna get something with some dog. Did I, I say know. Unleashed? It's a man unfiltered. Well, it's the so only funny. official. It's the only official UFC podcast there is, right? Yeah, it's the official UFC podcast. That's it. Hey, it's let so me funny. ask you this, Matt. How does it happen very often with the boss man they call Dana White, who, in my opinion, was very instrumental in the success of UFC with the Fertitas and when, before they sold. Um, he put his neck out there. I saw Dana take a lot of shit for a lot of years, whether it was putting fights on or whether it was um, promoting or whether it was hosting, you know, the, the, the TV shows that he was doing at the time um, that were the ultimate fighter, you know, was like one of the most watched shows in sports during its, you know, its first 10 seasons, probably you, I think won season four, but is it common for a fighter to develop the type of friendship? And do you have a really, really strong bond with Dana White? Cause you guys seem like you guys are very tight. Is that very common with a lot of the fighters on the roster? Or do you feel that you kind of set yourself apart in becoming Dana White's friend? I'm going to say it's not common at all. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. I've always got along with Dana, you know, and I think guys do get along with Dana, but I don't know. I never had an issue, man. And I always got along with them. We're tight. And, uh, yeah, I don't think he's got that kind of friendship with a lot of, of other UFC fighters, even though I'm sure he's cool with a lot of people, you know, I just, you know, friendships happen. You know what I mean? You know, I didn't, you know, make out to become good buddies with him, but I, we are, I'm good. I'm good friends with Dana. I feel if I need him now, I can call him, but I never need him. I mean, but if I, you know, need him in a sense where I'm in a, a tight jail, I think I could 
give the guy a call, no problem. As as I would any other. Well, I mean, how many really close friends do you have? He's one of them. But you know, you know how it is, Chad. You have a lot of people around, but how many people could you call? He's one of those guys. I I feel that that close enough that it, I could call if there's a problem. You know. Do you feel like you? Were you a character at all? Did you have a an alter ego when you were on TV, oh, or no. or is this you? Like this is just how like you are that guy that's going to be funny. You're going to talk smack. You're going to back it up. But you respect people. You have a lot of love for people. You have a big sweetheart. But you 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 come across sometimes to where like you are going to put it out there. Like I will talk some smack to this guy, whether it was the ultimate fighter, whether it was a press conference or whatever, was that always you? Or is that your real life? Because you seem like you're so cool, calm and collective, like to be a jujitsu coach and run a jujitsu school. There's a lot of respect that goes into that art form of martial arts. Correct me if I'm wrong. So obviously you have to have a ton of respect for your passion and your, your trait and your, the art form that you've mastered. You're a fourth degree Brazilian jujitsu. That does not happen. That's a 20 year endeavor, at least if I had to guess. So tell me a little bit, are, are you the same person off camera and out of the octagon as you are at home with the wife and the three girls? I'm going to say, hey, listen, you can't always have your foot on the pedal. Like you can't always be, sometimes I'm hyped up on caffeine and I'm nutty, you know, but uh, I'm the exact the same person. You're not going to find one interview. Now, look, you're not going to find an interview anywhere where you're like, oh man, you really handed up for this fight. You know what I mean? Let me tell you like a quick little story with that. Cause there's guys like that, a guy like that who could turn on the, uh, to make a thing a little bit of a uh, spectacle and could come with some rehearsed lines. And, and, and the, one of the first guys that really do it well in our sport is, is Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen's very good at that. You know, would you agree? Chael Sonnen, yeah. he's a bit of a showman and, and he's a good guy when he's, when he's off there, and it's not that he's not being himself, but when he's telling Anderson Silva and Brazil, you know, when I go to your house for the barbecue, tell your wife medium rare, it's funny. <laughs> I thought he was hysterical. No, he was he wasn't trashy. It was to the. It's not like oh, he's talking about his wife. It was it was it was intelligent. It was it was witty. It's you know it's tongue in cheek. You know he's being a troll. He's over the top. So I'm in the, one time. I'm getting ready to fight Matt Hughes, right? And. Uh, it's me, my buddy Drago, and Chael Sonnen and, and his coach. And uh we're in the we're in the steam room. Steam we're in the no, the sauna, and there was the sauna, the steam room, it was in the Mandalay Bay. And and the and the uh like the uh the whirlpool after. Like, you know, we're in this the getting ready, we're cutting weight for the fight. I was fighting Matt Hughes, he was fighting Damian Maya, I believe. So I remember him going and he goes, you know, he goes, Sarah. He goes, you sold this fight. He goes, you, I, you sold this fight brilliantly. Cause I had a lot of beef with Matt Hughes. So I'm like, oh yeah, thanks Chael. You know, this and that. So later on he gets out of the pool, uh, out of the, uh, the, the, um, at the whirlpool thing, you know? Uh, <laughs> so I go to, um, I go to Drago, my buddy. I go, dude, little does he know that I really think the guy's a dick. <laughs> I never once tried to sell that fight. I just did not like the guy. The guy was, and I know he's been through a lot, so I'm not attacking the guy now. But at the time, I just truly just spoke my mind because I did not like the guy. And we were cool prior. I just didn't like the way he was treating people and this and that. And he's just not my type of guy. So 
I was just speaking my mind and everybody's like, man, look at him. He's selling his fight. Great. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, man, if it sells some tickets, great. Just like my second fight with George St. Pierre. I, 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 and I love George. George is a great guy, but that one, the second after I, I lost that fight, you know, I'm, you know, I, it didn't go well at all. And uh, for, you know, for whatever the reasons, but one of the reasons is George is phenomenal. So I, you know, I lost the belt, lost the fight in the cage. Dana's like, Hey man, you sold. He told Ray Longo, actually, he sold the hell out of this fight, <laughs> but it's like, yo, I didn't try to, I thought George was being not that now on this ages. We're good. We're cool. Really very cool now. But at the time, that poor kid was 25. I was 32. People were coming at him like, how could you lose to this guy? How could you possibly lose? And so he was looking to say anything. I thought what he said was not giving me enough credit. So I started attacking him, calling him Frenchie, telling him to drink some red wine. I got it from Talladega Nights, Chad. I'm not a mean <laughs> guy. But but the, I'll tell you right now, Montreal didn't like that shit. So I, I've always been myself. Uh, to, to give your answer, a long answer. I've always been myself. For better or worse, I just speak my mind. So there's no act here. <laughs> That's what it okay, is. So I, so where I was going with the question though of of you know being yourself, mm -hmm. what is it about Matt Sarah in your honest opinion, or if you had to guess, if you were writing a college thesis paper right oh. now on why Dana White likes you so much or took you under his wing or formed this unbelievable friendship. Is it because of your ability to sell yourself when you're just being real? Is it your ability to make the crowd laugh, keep them on their toes? Is it ability to be sincere at times, but also be able to have fun at times? Like what do you and Dana White have in common that has made this friendship stronger than any other fighter uh, owner friendship I've seen in the UFC? Well, I'm going to say we were always tight when I was fighting. We were always cool. We always got along. Now, how long has the show Dana White looking for a fight, not to give that a plug, uh, been around for? I mean, I saw something on, you know, things pop up on your timeline. I seen something. I mean, it was over six years ago that I yep. did this show with Dana, right? And still going. I just did one recently in Texas with uh, myself, Dean Thomas, Dana. You know, I mean, we've been doing this show for... I mean, however long, I don't know, over like, I don't know, six, seven years or something. It's crazy. So during that show, we were always cool. That's a long, that's a, that, that, there's a lot of bonding on this thing we did. We traveled from, I don't know, Alaska with Mexico. We, we went all over for this show, you know, with dog sledding. And the stuff we did on this show got us to a, a got us closer. I mean, how many people could Dana say he ever slept in a tent with in the woods? That guy's not, that guy's, how about this? He's never camping again. He hated that shit. There's certain <laughs> things we did. I mean, dude, we rode on a bull. We both rode on a bull. We did cut some life bucket list stuff together from being on this show that I think really got us close. That's what I think. And what's funny about that is, Chad, I wasn't supposed to be a regular on that show. That's what's really hysterical. It's like life gives you these opportunities. Do you know the show? Do you ever watch? Yeah. Did you ever oh, watch yeah. The show? yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's pretty popular on YouTube. Uh, Dana White looking for a fight. And, uh, I, you know, he originally called me. He goes, Matt, we're doing a, um, a reality show. They're going to follow me around. And we want to use you as the pilot episode. So you come for the first episode. And then the premise was going to be Dana travels around looking for upcoming fighters. And each time he'll bring a different fighter with him. So that's what it was going to be. But I became a regular on that thing. 
because when I was there for the pilot, um, it was uh, we were in Atlanta and had some fights, and 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 Evander Holyfield was going to be with us in this episode. And you know he's a religious guy, and the producer was telling me and Dana, look, just I know how you guys both have your mouths. You like to use the f word and whatnot. Just in front of Evander, please, could you just, you know, you know, refrain from using such colorful language? Out of respect for the, you know, the champion. I go, fuck, of course. <laughs> I threw a fucking, of course, you know. So I'm like, I, okay. See, I would, I would have expected Matt Sarah to be like, do you think he'll be able to hear me anyway? His ears are probably in kind of bad shape. Listen, when I curse, it's definitely not to be disrespectful. So I get it, you know. Right. But what happened on this episode, if you ever seen this one, it was the very first one. There was a ring announcer who was just being so unprofessional. It's almost like his guy was fighting and his guy was a friend of his was fighting. It was a local show. So he's the ring announcer. So he's up there being like, yeah, yeah you got to show him how it's done. Don't let this guy come here. And I'm just like, yo, this is the most, that's like Bruce Buffer doing it at a show. I mean, it's like, it's the most unprofessional thing. So I got into it with this guy. So from being like, of course, I'm not going to curse in front of the guy. Now, Fanta's a seat away from me. And I had some, hey, dude, I, I, I me and this guy I had this, an altercation, a verbal altercation with this guy. <laughs> and there was a lot of Fs being thrown out there, to say the least. So afterwards, you know, they filmed it. So afterwards, I go to Rory. Now, Rory's our producer. Little guy, I'm a short guy. He's up to my shoulders. He's got. He doesn't have a list, but he's got to talk like this. So I was like, "Oh, Rory, man, I'm sorry. I know you, you. You warned us. I'm sorry about you know cursing in front of Avanda." And he goes, "Are you kidding me, Matt? That was TV gold. He loved it. He fucking loved it. He loved it. All. He loved it because he knew it would sell. So he he knew a lot of people would like to see that on uh, on television. So that thing got a crazy amount of views." And ever since then, I'm on looking for a fight, regular, traveling the world with Dana. And I think that's what really got us to the level of friendship we're at, you know. What makes him special in Matt Sarah's opinion? He's he's a is he a CEO mentality? Can he lead a business? Is he a good entrepreneurial spirit of America guy? Obviously, he's successful and worth more than any of us like could ever fathom with his success. But what makes Dana White special? Is it his tenacity and his ability to stand up for what he believes in? Like kind of like what he did during COVID and putting on fights where he could make it happen and keeping the UFC out in front during a time where a lot of people were like what happened to sports i mean listen this, this is what i really respect about dana and you said it right there it was in there and it was he's got more money than any of us so you know i mean dude think about how much money that guy has so it's one of those things where when you see him get upset you see him getting a little nasty at a press conference you see him agitated uh or you see him you know like giddy almost about a fight getting like these are real emotions and he doesn't have to even be involved, man. Go buy an island. Do what the fuck you want to do. You're you made it. But yet, I don't even ask him, dude. You got you don't have to do anything. You don't got to get out of bed. No, you don't got to. And he goes, "No, this is what I do. This is what I do. What am I going to do?" He had because I think I think it's almost like those people who win a lottery ticket and make the wrong decisions sometimes, or, or don't. Like some people, you got to look at what your life is and who you are and. And know yourself not to go out of your mind when you get that kind of fucking money. 
So he stays, he knows who he is and he's got his, his beliefs and his visions and he doesn't, he doesn't waver. That's why I think he's, he's not that too tight with a lot of the UFC fighters. I mean, I don't think he gives a shit what anybody thinks about him to be honest. <laughs> you know, well, that's what I like about him, you know? So is my thing out of whack? No, it's fine. Okay. Oh yeah. That's your screen. Okay. So yeah, man, listen, he is who he is. He marches to the beat of his own drummer. If you, if anybody doesn't like it, doesn't, he does his own thing anyway. If it's not popular with him, with him backing Trump, wasn't a big popular decision. We mean, dude, he was a loyal guy to Trump. Trump was good. Listen, not for anything. Trump was with him when at my very first fight, he gave Dana a chance when nobody was into the, when mixed martial arts was like, Ooh, that's still NHB. That's no holds barred. That's that stuff they do in the cage. Now it's everybody knows what the, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's his, you know, so I don't know. I don't know if I'm summing it up correctly. No, I, I, he's, I, I his that's own, what, he's his own dude, you know, and, and, uh, and he's a boss and he's, he just happens to be a friend of mine, you know? I think so, it's cool. I think it's killer. I think, I think it's, it's, I think it's cool how down to earth he seems to be, even I, though that's success. And I think that's the secret of life is like, that's why somebody like you would want to hang out with him. You know, it could go all, you know, vice versa. Like you could meet him and be like, Whoa, I don't want to host another one of these shows, but he's a badass I, dude too. Right. I, I think that Dana, like, look, how about this? I love the podcast I do with Jimmy Norton. When I was on that camping trip on the, for the show with me and Dana, we were doing the thing in the camping and we were in the woods he brought that up to me. Hey, man, you think about doing a podcast for the I'm thinking about doing a podcast for the UFC. We're going to be doing it. But what would you think about doing that a couple of days a week in the city? And and I go, I go, man, I don't know anything about radio and podcasting and stuff. I don't I have a, listen. I'm a simple guy. Chad, I'm telling you, I like I love like today. I, we had a little mix up this. Not we. I had a mix up this morning because I I I. I mixed up the dates and we, we got it straight now we're here. But like, you know, I was, I told you, I took a nap this afternoon. I was up at five. I took the 7 a.m. class this morning. I, I'm a jujitsu man. I got my, as long as I have my school, which I had for over 20 years, I'm good, man. I, that's my retirement. That's what I like to do. I'm there in the morning. I'll be back there later on. Taught the kids class yesterday. I had all my three girls in it. This is my retirement. That's what I like to do. Now, all these other things are extra and I happen to love doing them. So, I think one of the reasons is, I never, how about this? I don't even, unless it's in Long Island, New York, which it was once, or Manhattan uh, in, at, the, at MSG, I haven't ever asked for tickets anyway. Like, I'm not that guy to be like, I, I'm not even a guy to ask for tickets. I'm not a guy to ask for shit, because I do my own thing. It's probably another reason why I'm tight with Dana. I don't ask him for anything, <laughs> you know? I don't want anything, man. Like, I don't, I'm not, I appreciate everything, but I'm not looking for anything. You understand? Oh, okay. I think he gets that vibe from me. Because if my podcast went away tomorrow, that looking for a fight weight goes away tomorrow, dude, I'm good. I mean, that'd be horrible. I love doing both. I enjoy doing both. They don't feel like work to me. I'll be, I got my school. I got my, my lifeline. And that's what I do. So I think when you get to the point where Dana is out, probably more now than ever, because now he went to a different level of, of wealth and everything else. I think you don't you don't know who's who's cool now. You don't know who's there for the right intentions. Right. I like Dana. I like him a lot. He's a lovely wife, kids. I love. I, he's a great guy. I, he's a buddy of mine. I don't see him as a dollar sign. I don't see him as a as a as something I could go to if I need a favor for money or I don't. I don't. First of all, I would never borrow money from anybody. But 
I, I don't know. I guess he, he gets that vibe from me, I think, you know? I love it. With, mm. with the overall theme, in my opinion, of respect, obviously there's you, you, you brought up ill will against somebody like Matt. I was at that fight. I told you when I was on Unfiltered, I was at the yes. Matt Hughes fight. Um, tough decision. Could have went either way. Um, you guys hugged it out after that fight, though. There are reports of you guys burying the hatchet after the fight. What was the main reason that you did not appreciate how Matt Hughes treated people, if you can talk on that? And why did you hug it out after a fight that you guys went three rounds, hard rounds, a decision? He gets the decision over you, a very close one. If it was even you know, his should have went his way. That's arguable, but what was going on and why did you bury the hatchet with all of that animosity or well, did you at the same time we fought it out Well, on that? Listen, Matt's got problems now that are right. I understand. So I wouldn't, I'm not going to attack Matt now ever. You right. know what I mean? But, but back then I did not like him. He was a, I felt he was a bully. I didn't, I, I didn't like the guy he was. You know, you can't, and I didn't like, you know, you were saying things about me, which I didn't like. And, you know, listen, there's a lot of things with that fight that I don't, I look, I look back at that proudly, that fight. I don't look back at that fight like, oh, I wish I could have had that one back and I could have won that. No, dude, I, I don't feel like that guy beat, he got to beat me up. But that, that fight, Matt Hughes going into that fight did not think I was on his level at all. He really didn't. He thought the George thing was a lucky thing, my fight with St. Pierre and, he thought he's the bigger, stronger wrestler, and he thought he's just going to beat me up. He even said, you put the top welterweights and you put Matt's name in there, he's the easiest fight. Like he, would, he was very matter-of-factly about how easy he was going to beat my ass, that it was so – I'm like, dude, I can't wait to get in there. I just couldn't wait to, to get my hands on the guy. And there were some lines leading up to it because, listen, I could, I could talk the talk, but I could walk the walk. And I understand there's some guys that just have a loud bark. I get that. I don't even feel I have a loud bark. I mean, but, you know, I, I'm going to speak my mind. Like, the very first incident I had with Matt Hughes, I was friendly with a guy on season four of The Ultimate Fighter. They brought him in when he was still champ, and he had a win over George St. Pierre. And he was, like, bullying him. George, listen, I don't got to stick up for George St. Pierre. I know that. He's his own man. But he's like, but. If you were there at, at the restaurant we were at and he's goofing on him, asking him if he needs to see the on-bar defense. Because about, as of that time, this wasn't the George that we know now. This is the George that – it is the George, but that he, he lost to Matt Hughes prior, so he never beat Matt Hughes yet. Since then, he beat Matt Hughes twice and, you know, I mean. But back then, he, they fought once and Matt Hughes has a win over him. This is back in 2006, you know, before, before George became one of the greatest ever. You know, he's still the guy that lost to him and – looking to fight him again. So, uh, you know, he's like, hey, Georgie, what do you want to learn today? Uh, go over some arm lock defense. You know, the guy got him in an arm lock. He was being it. Listen, what was is this at a sushi restaurant? Yes. You know, I remember the episode. Yeah. Must have seen it. I remember so it's the episode. Like, if you, so we're in the van. Now, this is a reality show. I'm not, when you ask, like, did I, am I always me? Do I turn things on fight? I wasn't even set to fight Matt Hughes. I got along with him before that. On season four, I got along with the guy. But I remember just, we were in the van. And I'm like, yo, what about Matt? I go, and I didn't see that part of him. I go, what a dick. <laughs> that was the first time. I go, guy's just a dick. I go, right? I mean, and the guys are all agreeing with me. They know. The guy was like, yeah, he was being a dick to George. It was obvious. So that, 
is how it initially started our little beef. This is the way he was acting. You know what I mean? So when it came time to finally fight Matt Hughes with me and him, he was saying, this is the one thing that stands out. And this is something that makes me very proud is uh, I remember I kept, you have that, that countdown special, right? Cause I was the co-main event. The main event was Lyoto Machida versus um, Rashad, Rashad Evans. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember watching the interview, me, the interview, him. And, you know, it's the fight week. So I'm just sitting back, I'm watching things. And I remember him going, you know, some guy, there's guys that are good at talking, guys that are good at walking, you know, that type of thing. And he goes, all I know, when that cage door shuts and he's looking across the octagon, oh, he's, he's going to realize he made a mistake. Now, that's Matt Hughes talking about me. And I remember hearing that. And I remember thinking, Oh man, dude, you really, you, not to be intimidated from me, I don't expect that, but you really don't know who I am. You don't really, you don't get what you, you don't, you don't know who I am as a, as a man, as a fighter. You don't know what you're getting in there with. I cannot, I couldn't wait to that door. If you watch that fight, watch what Matt Hughes gets in that cage. Not to give the old Tyson look away theory there, that old thing. That dude could not keep eye contact. I was just looking at him going, here I am. I'm looking at him, just looking at him, looking at him, just, just wanting to make the eye contact saying, dude, now we're here. Now, this is where you can't just, listen, you could talk a good talk. You could look good on pads. You could have sick jujitsu. The ring, the cage, the octagon, it's going to expose you. If you're not a real fighter, it will expose you. I don't give a shit how good of an actor you are. The second, the first fight get the first strike gets down, anything. You get hit, touched, anything. You're going to be exposed. I've seen it a million times. It's a thousand ways out of there. Wow, it's in a bad position. Yeah, just, just hold, stop for a second. The ref will break it up. It was, uh, he knew. He knew when we locked eyes, you know, that he got me pegged wrong. He knew it. So that felt good. I liked that. I liked walking into center looking at him, not shaking hands at that point, and just looking at him saying, dude, boy, did you have that wrong? You know what I mean? I love that, Chad. That gives me goosebumps, you know? Because shit, man, I'm not gonna get bullied from that dude. I, I knew he was in for some shit. I didn't, listen, I was confident that I'd beat him, but I knew he wasn't gonna beat me. I knew my jujitsu was too good offensively, which I could have been way more offensive, I feel, but to give him credit, he's very good on top. So I thought, Chad, I thought when he got on top of me, he would try to beat the living shit out of me. I thought he was going to try to impose. Instead, he he knew, he felt that I could move down there. He was just trying to lock me down, trying to hold me down, trying to, and, and you know, trying to hit me there, here, and there. I didn't have no cuts, no nothing. He had little scrapes from the gloves, but I just, I'm like, it, was, it wasn't the, what I was expecting down there. But he has, but he, but by having that game he has, if I just go haphazardly, all right, I'm just going to try to go to my feet and, Give him worse, you know, he he could play off my my movement. You understand? So it was a little bit of a chess game down there, but I felt I could have been more aggressive in hindsight. But I knew defensively that guy's not beating me up down there. It's not happening. I lived on the floor for the last half my life. You know what I mean? At one point, he got a takedown, got my back. Dude, I could have been sipping an espresso there. I was chilling. I escaped my, I worked my back escapes for the last 20 something years. He's not strangling me. You know what I mean? It's not like I had BJ Penn on my back. I had some meathead. You understand? <laughs> 
So what when you start talking about like the foundation of MMA, a lot of people will say that the world class wrestlers or the college NCAA champions are all Americans. Um, Matt Hughes was a college wrestler. Dan Henderson. I mean, that cost check. There's. I mean, you can name them. There's tons of them. You're not a college wrestler. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you are a grappler. What is the difference, Matt Sarah, in wrestling traditional folk style wrestling? What is the difference between that and grappling? And is it more important to have a wrestling base or a jiu-jitsu base to be or even have a chance to become a badass MMA fighter? Because you got to have one or the other, right? You can't just have hands. If you get taken down, yeah. you, you got to have wrestling or grappling or jiu-jitsu to, 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 to succeed, right? Is there anybody that's ever succeeded without one of those two? No, no you need some – at this stage of the game, you need some – form of grappling now everything you're naming the difference between uh you said grappling and like, folk wrestling. style wrestling everything's all it's all grappling like you say wrestling jujitsu you know brazilian jujitsu sambo judo these are all forms of grappling all arts we're all grapplers okay um but you know then there's the distinction between the arts wrestling is great because you get to dictate where the fight goes when you get really good at it now you get you obviously you want to develop the striking, but you're dealing with a better striker. All right, it's time for me to get this down. You understand? And you have that power if you're the better wrestler. That's great until you meet a better wrestler. Now that guy's getting you down. Now you better have your jujitsu straight because now you're not on top. Think about all the dominant wrestlers in UFC history. They're great until they meet another wrestler, <laughs> a bigger wrestler. Shit, man. I mean, let's look at it. I mean, look at back in the day, you had Dan Severn. Dan Ooh. Severn. Then he meets Mark Coleman, ah! And then there's fucking, uh, I mean, and then there's who else is there? Uh, they meet the bigger wrestlers. Ken Shamrock. Yeah, you get all these things. When you get those guys, it, it's different. Like, like even Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes, once he wasn't able to put, like, George St. Pierre down, that was, you know, that's why even though, I'm a, you know, he, he knew he was trouble. I mean, that's shooting fish in a barrel because George had a very, for a guy that didn't wrestle in high school, he had a very good wrestling base. He developed it. So he was able to keep it up. I'm a jujitsu man, you know what I mean? But thank God I got heavy hands because I fought George St. Pierre. He fought way better wrestlers than myself. Not, not, I'm not going to say a better grappler because I I consider all this grappling. I'm a very good jujitsu man. I, I know. And I'm going to tell you about which one I feel is better in general, but for, you know, I, I, I knew with George, a lot was going to be dictated with, with the striking because, you know, he fought, Matt Hughes, Frank Trigg, Sean Shirk, even Mayhem Miller. All these guys are probably straight up better feet to floor wrestling than me. You know what I mean? So if they couldn't get him down and hold him down, shit, man. Well, I'm going to spend five rounds trying to do that. And I used to fight at, well, at lightweight at one point. I'm a lot of a smaller guy. And, I, dude, that's a long night. And if I, you, and the worst thing in the world is when you can't get somebody down and you try to try to, and, you know, a failed takedown or you do get the takedown, he gets back up. Now you're exhausted. Now he's beating your ass. I knew, I knew with, with, with George St. Pierre that one, first of all, I knew I had heavy hands that a lot of guys didn't really knew. I didn't really rely on it that much because I had the ability to get the fight to the floor because most of the guys I fought, I believe in my wrestling. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So this was the first fight. I'm like, all right, I have to solely, everything's going to be dictated on the feet right here. It's either me or him on the feet. And that's what's going to go down. And he doesn't know, he doesn't know I'm playing this card. You know what I mean? He doesn't know. He thinks I'm going to try to grapple him. So I had that going for me. You know what I mean? 
So, so I'll tell you, Chad, you ask one question, I just go off, brother. No, I love it. I love it. But then it got me thinking about the next the next fight. You come out with the rematch against Saint Pierre, and doesn't he try to keep his wrestling? He doesn't throw hands with you on that fight. What happened in the second fight? Oh, he went right under my right hand and he put me on my ass, and then I elbow his head, and I severely bruised my ulnar nerve. So my arm from here down felt like. It sounds felt like you have a dead hand where you like fell asleep where you're sitting on it and you woke up and you're like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, I blowed my ulnar going, nerve out. Ooh. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that. I blew it out in baseball, you, my throwing arm. How did you, you couldn't feel your fingers? Oh right? yeah, none of it. It's terrible. Oh, dude, imagine that. So listen, I'm in Saint, I'm in, I'm in Mont Saint Pierre's backyard, Montreal. Deafening chance of fu Sarah. Deaf. But I mean deafening. Ray Longo is not a guy that speaks lightly. I couldn't hear him between rounds. I couldn't hear him from here to there. Chanting, fuck you, Sarah. <laughs> <Just fun>. <laughs> 20,000 people, Montreal, first time ever in Montreal. St. Peter fought after that in Canada, I forget where, would triple the, with like 100,000. He said, wasn't even close to when we fought each other with, with how loud that, that audience was. <laughs> Dude, really? Thunderdome, bro. And it was brutal. And, uh, you know, took me down right away. Now he's playing tight on my in guard. I'm like, all right, now I'm going to snap some elbows. Elbowed him, the nerve shot. He fought his half guard. I go, this is a horrible start. <laughs> <laughs> so it did not go well for me that night. But all the credit to George. He fought a brilliant fight. I felt, how about this? And I said this before, on my best day, I don't think you, I don't feel, for whatever reasons, everybody's got a fucking excuse and a reason, whatever. I did not feel the best. I, I felt at my best, I'd probably make it through. And, and, and survive. But I thought he was, I don't think there was any denying George in that rematch. He was focused. You know what I mean? I, I was in his head in a, in a, in a good way for him to become the champion that uh, he is today and to be known as one of the best ever. I think we, he, he needed some adversity and that was me. So Matt, I love my Rocky movie. That's all I need. I don't need to be the best ever. I fought the best ever. And I, I fought it. all the guys. You beat, the, you beat the best welterweight ever. There you go. So I'm happy with that. You knocked him out. You knocked him clean out. Yeah, it was it was a nice clean victory. You, one of your, you in one of your jobs as the host, besides on the on looking for a fight, and you're looking for the uh, a, a great fighter out of these gyms. Um, you know, you get to talk to a lot of fighters and break down fights as they happen on 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 pay per view or or on the ESPN platform. Tell me about your honest opinion of, of Nate Diaz only because of what has been being said in the last third, you know, three weeks or so about how he comes out and gets smoked for four and then has a little flurry in the fifth round, obviously gets destroyed for every minute of that 25 minute fight, maybe 24 out of 25 minute fights, but he wins the crowd. He wins the pay-per-view audience. Why is that being said? Is that true? And what makes Nate Diaz that kind of guy? And I'm only, I'm not asking you to keep talking about other fighters, but I love your opinion on stuff of like, this is what you do is you analyze this kind of stuff. And I, I'm, I'm wondering, is that really true? Is that, is he one of the most popular fighters in the UFC? Well, the thing is with, he's a hundred percent a superstar. And the thing about both the Diaz brothers is what you see is what you get. You're not there's nothing there manufactured. And, you know, Nate in particular, you bring up his last fight with Leon Edwards. Man, you got to look at it the way he's looking at it. He, in his mind, it's, it's almost like the old pride rules. And the old pride, the way that was ruled, the, 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 the judging was, 
It's not how a fight even starts. It's how it ends and basically look at like how it's going to be going. So if a guy barely gets out of that thing with his life, they give it to the guy that might have been down ahead, but looks like he's queerly, you know, he might be had been losing this battle, but it looks like he's winning the war in this fight, that type of thing. You know what I mean? Even if he was down on the scorecards, they score it as a whole. They don't do round by round. So he's not looking at it like that. He's looking at it like, yo, if this was to the death, he even said this, or a street fight, it's a wrap. He goes, he was sleepwalking. I mean, if that's the, now look at it, if that's the way he's looking at it, shit, no wonder why he's holding his head up high with a blunt in his hand. Why shouldn't he? The guy's the guy's feeling like this guy did not listen, that's not for anything. Like you talked about the thing with Matt Hughes and I hugged. I felt like I got something out of my system. That guy, first of all, the guy thought he was gonna bully me. That's that's all out of the question. And got to punch him in the head, I got to throw him. I man, I felt great. I feel like I lost that fight. So by him, that one punch that he hit on Leon Edwards stole the whole sh- on a night of good fights. Stole the whole show. It stole the show. One, he got beat for twenty five minutes in that fight. That one punch. That's all people remember. They might have. Oh man, well listen, he might have been dominating you, but look, he, he barely got it out of that fifth. He barely survived. You might say he's been dominated that fight. He didn't barely survive. He wasn't, oh my God, he's going to stop him. No, no, he's moving. He's always moving. So it's like, it's not like he's getting held down and getting out of that round. Whoa, no, man. He's always threatening. Even when you think he's not, he, the, the Diaz brothers, Nate Diaz in this particular, uh, right now when we're talking about Nate Diaz, that was the that was the fifth round. He's just as dangerous as the first round, if not more, because now the other guys get tired. These guys are the same pace. You know what I mean? So... He's honest on the mic. He's a great fighter. And, uh, hey, man, it's refreshing. It's refreshing. He's not trying to, and he's, and he's not being disrespectful. I mean, look at that guy. These guys aren't disrespectful. They're not talking about people's wives or doing anything low class to try to get their numbers up. The dude likes his weed. He likes to do his triathlons. This guy's not bothering nobody. You don't see these guys in any kind of old thing. They're not doing anything. They're good guys. I mean, I listen, I'm friendly with both. I'm friendly with Nate. In general, so it's I'm um, maybe sound a little biased, but are you excited I mean, to see Nick come back if he does? I would love to. Well, I would love to see it just so the kid gets a payday, man. Yeah. Like you know, I'm I was always very very cool with Nate and Nick because you know I'm under Henzo Gracie. They came up under his cousin Caesar, so they're very loyal. They they got an attitude like me a lot of the time when I was fighting. Where I got more lenient over the years. Now I'm very laid back, but it's almost like. You got your circle. I have enough friends. I could use some enemies F everybody else. That's kind of their attitude. So they always treated me like distant family or whatever. Cause I was like under the cousin of their, you know what I mean? We're under the same kind of lineage with the Gracie yeah. family. So I was always tight with them, you know? Matt, I so, want to do, I want to do this again. I can't keep you much longer. I know that we had a little run in with, mm, uh, scheduling man. today, but can we, I want to do it again, but I have, I got to know your opinion on, you just said something about the Diaz brothers about, you know, that they're true. They're real. That's who you, they yes. are. Kind of like you were when you were fighting. Um, do you respect Conor McGregor, his antics and the way that he's built his wealth, his career? And I'm, I want to say, I want to foreshadow this by this fighting to me is different because of the word legacy. You want to go out respectful. If you're going to talk the talk and become a multimillionaire, I understand that part of it. But if you're losing a lot of these battles and you don't have the respect of your peers 
to me, the fight game's different in that aspect. Tyson lost a lot of the fights at the end of his career, but he's still probably the most touted heavyweight around besides Ali, but Ali doesn't walk around anymore, obviously. But Tyson walks into the ring or into a stadium still, he still gets a standing ovation because of his legacy, in my opinion. Um, even though his career was a very... Uh, just a crazy career to talk about and break down. But what is your opinion of Conor McGregor? I know that he's good for the UFC. He brings the fans from all different parts of the world. But do you respect that type of career? Well, listen, there's there certain things you could respect. And there's certain and things, uh, certain things you could respect about a guy. And there's certain things you might not respect. Like the thing with the dolly and this and that. Nah, I mean, I understand you going to stick up for your boy, uh, Artem that was going to get jumped. But, but I mean, I don't know. That thing could have took out Rose's, could have killed somebody. I mean, so, I mean, there's that kind of antics, which is not exactly, I don't want to say set a good example because I'm not, I mean, listen, everybody's their own guy and I don't want to get caught up in that. But I, I look at, I, to, re, to, to, to go to tell you what I do respect about Connor is another guy that he is a fighter. He's got all the money in the world yet. What is he going to do with it? What do you do when you have all this? It's only so much on riding around on a yacht you could do and driving fancy cars. He is a fighter. So I do respect that he's still fighting after making all this money. That's what I do respect that other guy, you know. But, uh, you know, listen, people think I hate on the guy because I've got that before. There's things in the past I did not <laughs> like. I showed up at like a Bellator event and he jumped up on the cage and he didn't like what the ref was doing. And he actually, he mushed the guy. It's like, dude, you can't put your hands on somebody. What are you doing, man? And and if it was anybody else, they'd be like crucified. So there's certain things like with that, that I just, you know, I don't really, you know, the whole thing with Habib, I was more team Habib with that. You know what I mean? I like the way Habib carries himself, you know? So you can't really be on both sides. You know, I'm not that guy to flip flop. I like the way Kobe Habib handles himself. I do. I do too. Uh, Connor, you know, he's got the whiskey. Listen, I'm not hating on the guy. The guy, the guy came from not a lot of money. Now he's got a lot of money. So good for him because he did that with his his fighting. He's a good, very, very, very good fighter. You know, but you know, does he win this next fight? Sometimes the go. Sometimes the going gets tough in there, and you know. It's easy to get the fuck out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if it comes between taking a nap and tapping, he's he's tapping. Do I, you know, do I fault him for that? Hey, man, no, it's just, but, you know, there's certain things. I right? see this is, <laughs> this is where people think I hate other guys. But you can't tell me, look, man, if it, was, if it was back in the dark ages, it was back in the fucking ages when they're attacking Ireland, you'd be the guy with the fucking pickaxe and, you'd, and then it gets tough. You're like, ah! So it's like, I don't know, you tap. So look. <laughs> Don't get me. Don't get me any more enemies. Don't, don't get me any more haters, Chad. Does he I, win I, this I fight, Matt? Does he win this fight against Poirier? He, I got Poirier picked because I really like the way that went. I think he's just he's shown that he, the, the fact that he's shown that he can come back the way he did in the wars he's been in, and I don't think he's even though he's been in wars, he he rolls with those punches. I think he's still his chin's intact. I I think it's gonna be a harder. I think it's gonna be hard. For uh, I think it's gonna be an uphill battle. I I, I got Dustin picked, especially at can the we, last time. Can we schedule another one of these, please, Matt? After that yeah, fight and talk it, some man. more. What a what a, what a let's do a make sure we got a reminder call, dude. I apologize for the mix up this morning, <laughs> dude. I love talking to you. I love, I think that it's <laughs> I, I think it's cool as shit that you are still 
I don't. I think you retired in thirteen or eleven. I don't know. It's been seven, eight years, nine years since you retired, and you're still out there doing the work and and rolling in the gym and the jujitsu school oh, successful. Man. The podcast. Hey, tell Norton to t- to message me back, dude. <gasps> how yes. dare that little how, bird? I know. How dare him? Freaking did Jim he, Norton. Hi hat, Chad. He hi hatted me. Hi hat you. Yes. He hi hatted you. And he's the one that told me how to get a hold of him. He's the one that gave me the instructions, and he still hi hatted me. And the best is today, you, you called and I was sleeping. Up. You're like, man, these, these guys both suck. <laughs> hey, no, I love the best it, dude. Is, I called you right back with that sound machine still on. I go, look, dude, see? I didn't put that thing I, right on. I'm in bed. I know but, you're uh, busy. I know you're busy. Because I give the love to the students, you know? Hey, man, listen, if you ever had, well, you ever in Long Island, New York, or ever around here? I'm right? coming. I want to come hang and roll with you. I want to go eat a good Italian meal. I want to see it I'm all. Sold, bro. And listen, if any of your listeners want to listen to some MMA talk, not only MMA, we talk about movies, some Netflix stuff, anything. I like a lot of pop culture stuff. Listen to UFC Unfiltered. You'll probably hear Chad on there again. You know? I hope you I have me back, back on. Also. I want you on just to give Jimmy shit. I will, I'll back. come on and give it. <laughs> I appreciate you, Matthews. I mean, Matt, Sarah. Me, bro. Hey, appreciate it. Sarah, I really do appreciate you coming on. And I think that uh, um, your fight knowledge is awesome. And congratulations on such a badass career. And are you going to go for fifth degree black belt? Are you still practicing to, to up your game in jujitsu? Oh, well, listen, I'm, I'm at my gyms six days a week. You know what I mean? I'm there all the time. As far as going for the fifth, Henzo so funny. Like he, I was somebody, he's like, yo, come into the city. I got your fifth stripe. When Hodger Gracie was there, this was right before the pandemic. But he gives me like, he gives me notice. Like I give someone else notice. So it's like the circle of life. So, you know, technically maybe I'm already there, but it's, this is the thing with that. And I, and I, and I'm known and I feel bad because nobody's perfect. Sometimes me, I'm even a late on giving a stripe or giving a belt, but I just love jujitsu, man. I just love it. That's I don't awesome. care if I'm, for, it's how I stay in shape at 47. If I'm not, do my knees are fucked. I can't run. My walking looks a little funny, but I could roll, man. I could roll for an hour. I could strangle my black belts uh, or get attacked by them. If I get tapped out, they're my black belts. I win either way. But I love jujitsu. I recommend everybody to do it. You know, it's not so much a, I have that Miyagi theory where what kind of belt are you? Ah, my belt, the JC Benny, 1999. I don't know. But I just love jujitsu, man. It's I just, love it. It's I'm coming to roll with you, man. I appreciate you being on. I'll holler at you. I'll holler at you the beginning of the week, and we'll get another one set up. Thanks, Chad. I'll talk to you, brother. Thanks Thank for you, brother. Having me. Matt, Sarah, you, UFC Unfiltered Podcast. Looking for a fight, the great Matt, Sarah. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is Leith Lofton. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Thank y'all. I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone